Nations are defined by the people who live in them. That is the most basic of all observations about the world. China is different from Barbados, and not just because of geography. Austria and Zimbabwe are both landlocked countries in the middle of large continents, but they are not the same. That's because their populations are different. If you have a country brimming with people who work hard, believe in Christianity and Western standards of fairness, and are willing therefore to settle their differences without violence, you will likely have a peaceful, prosperous nation. You will have Sweden 50 years ago before millions of non-Swedes arrived. If, by contrast, you have a nation full of people, however friendly and cheerful they may be, who don't believe in any of that, who embrace tribalism rather than universal principles of justice, who think 40 hours a week is too much for a man to work, and who for whatever reason have low impulse control, then you will get a place like Congo, a country that has remained in a state of perpetual civil war since before most Americans were born. It's that simple. There's a reason the German sections of southern Brazil are affluent and orderly, while Amazonia is not. It's because of the people. This is obvious. No honest person denies it or has ever denied it. But in this moment of national madness that has gripped the United States, our leaders are pretending that none of it is true. Although, of course, they know perfectly well that it is true. The result is a country, our country, that is changing faster than it ever has, but not through democratic means. Instead, by force, through waves of mass immigration that not a single American voted for. What's happening is a crime. It violates both federal law and the core precept of democracy, which is that citizens get to govern their own countries. This is election rigging on a mass scale, and it's fueled by anti-white racial hostility. That is not a guess. The people doing it say so out loud. They brag about it. They are criminals. They must be punished for what they have done. In the meantime, it's worth knowing exactly what they are doing. This was the scene at the so-called border at El Paso, Texas the other day. That's your country being invaded. It will never be the same. Republicans in Congress, the Republican governor of Texas, do nothing as this happens. Democrats cheer it on. They know that America will soon be a one-party state and they'll be in charge. Immigration is the reason. Todd Benzman joins us now from the border. He's a longtime journalist and the author of the new book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in American History. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Where are you? Uh, I am in Piedras Negras, which is uh, Mexico, just across from Eagle Pass, Texas. This has been a red-hot spot for illegal immigration for the last couple of weeks. Who's coming across, do you think, and how many? Right now, uh, immigrants from 160 different countries are crossing this border. These are going to be people from uh, other than Mexico and other than Central America, uh, really from all over uh, the world, uh, Middle Easterners, people from every country of Africa, and the numbers are absolutely stupendous. This mass migration crisis of the last 36 months, 30 plus months, uh, broke every record in the national history books already. 
but now we're in a surge that is breaking all of those records. We're looking at, you know, 14,000 apprehensions a day, uh, 10,000, 11, 12,000 a day, uh, where like 1,000 a day, once upon a time, a few years ago, was considered a national emergency. It's 14,000. Uh, we're looking at probably pushing 300,000 plus a month, and I think it's gonna be closer to 400,000 a month uh, if you consider the CBP-1 app where they're bringing them in uh, over the ports of entry, you don't see those ones, and flying tens of thousands directly from foreign countries into 43 American airports directly. So you don't see all that. There's gonna be a lot of runners and gotaways as well to add to that. And I think we've got to operate on the assumption that none of these people are going back to their countries of origin, that all of them are being supported by American taxpayers and have an expectation of staying here. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, you know, we're pushing 5 million people that are, we know for sure are inside the country in a very short period of time. Uh, just the logistics of trying to track down everybody and, and uh, you know, execute deportation orders. And it's just, they're, they're just gonna, your odds if you're an individual immigrant who crossed in and stayed in are just phenomenal that you can just disappear into the ether of the country. Uh, nobody's leaving. So you're describing a total collapse of the rule of law. Absolutely, if you come to the U.S. southern border, if you are able to get over this river behind me and into the hands of Biden's Border Patrol, uh, you are guaranteed entry and stay in the United States. You're almost guaranteed. In addition to that, the administration has put together three or four different what they call lawful pathways uh, that they are enabling people to cross, uh, like kind of pre-legalized, pre-approved. Uh, they just kind of came up with this off the top of their heads. Uh, but, but like hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals are entering that way. Uh, one to five different ways that you can enter the country and, and successfully stay for a long term because the whole calculus for the immigrants is if I lay down $10,000 in smuggling fees, I want a return on investment. And that is entry and long-term stay so I can pay it back. And that is guaranteed right now. So Honduran villages are emptying out. Population transfers are happening right now from places like Cuba, Guatemala, uh, you know, African countries. People are coming, they're emptying out of their countries and coming through because there's a return on that smuggling investment to get here because we are letting them in. We are deporting almost no one. We are detaining almost no one. I've interviewed thousands of these immigrants. Uh, on the other side at the bus station, you can find them with their papers. 24 hours after they get caught crossing over here, they're stamped in and they're on a bus to New York City or wherever, all across the country. We are not, like you said, we're letting, I mean, it's, it's our criminal political class and the criminal NGOs who are pilot fished on that class who are making this possible. But most people are, are totally opposed to this. It's supposed to be our country. We're supposed to be its owners. We're paying for this. And I, and I wonder, in an earlier age, you would, of course, see American men with their own rifles standing on the border stopping it. Is, does there come a point where people just say, we're, you know, th there's a criminal government and we're going to stop the invasion of our country? 
I mean, listen, ultimately, this is an electoral issue. This is going to come down to the 2024 election. Uh, who is in the uh, inauguration seat in January 2025? This thing started in a 24-hour period. You can trace it right to the day it started, Inauguration Day 2021. It has a very uh, distinct beginning, uh, and it can be ended in 24 hours just as well with the kind of policies that make that smuggling investment uh, not worth it, uh, not worth the risk. That's really what the calculus is. And also remember that, you know, I've never met an immigrant who wasn't equipped with a cell phone, a modern cell phone connected to social media. And everybody down trail uh, is very keyed in on their phones to everybody up trail. And when we, we as uh, the US government let them in, uh, that immediately broadcasts to the entire world of aspiring immigrants. And that's when villages emptying out, empty out. And that's what's happening right now. The only way to really stop this is with policies that take away the reward for laying your smuggling money down on the green felt. Do, I mean, you're in Texas. I don't know if you live there full time, but you're certainly there a lot. Um, it, when you visit Texas now, it's very obvious that the state has changed and, and for the much worse. Um, litter everywhere is chaotic. It, the political balance is changing because the demographic balance is changing. Do, do people in Texas see this as an emergency, do you think? And if so, why is nobody doing anything about it? Yes, I, I do believe that. Uh, it, I mean, there is a, a dawning realization, not just in Texas, but in cities like Chicago and New York and Boston and uh, Miami and everywhere else where uh, unfunded masses of people are suddenly showing up with, you know, nobody expected, we weren't budgeted for this, we don't have anywhere to put them or anywhere to feed them. And uh, that is just getting going. You ain't seen nothing yet compared to what's coming. Uh, and. In Texas, you know, you have the big cities, uh, you know, obviously there are, uh, you know, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people settling in those cities and they're settling everywhere else too. And it's, you can't not notice it. The regular voter, the regular American, anybody, Democrats too, uh, can't help but notice this as a big pocketbook issue and some other issues too. This is transformative what's happening yes. uh, to the United States. If we've had 5 million, and that's an undercount, now we very well may have another three or 4 million by the end of the first Biden term. Yeah. So these are permanent changes. And again, this is you know, the greatest crime ever uh, perpetrated on the American people. Um, last question, since we saw the tragedy in Israel just a few days ago, tied directly to borders, immigration, the nature of the population, et cetera, et cetera. Is anybody concerned, anybody in the Biden administration or among the criminal NGOs making this possible, about combatants coming into our country? These seem like mostly men of war age to me. Is anyone saying anything about that? Well, last month I was invited to testify before the House Judiciary Com Committee on terrorist travel over the southern border. And in my testimony, I pointed out that, you know, we've had a record-breaking number of immigrants apprehended who are on the FBI's terrorism watch list already. Those are the ones we caught among 1.8 million that we never caught 
estimated, and that's a low estimation. Uh, and I, I couldn't help but notice during my testimony that the Democratic side of the uh, of the uh, desk, the dais, uh, they would withdraw and go into their cell phones and start looking at TikTok and Facebook, and they were not interested. Yeah. Uh, almost kind of like the Israelis, maybe before uh, this uh, incredible, uh, devastating attack by Hamas. Uh, there is a complacency, and I think by half of the country, terrorist organizations are imaginative, uh, just like we saw. And it's not a huge uh, leap to consider that somebody might come in here through this completely collapsed southern border and go into a shopping mall or do something else at some point. Yeah. Well, if there was ever reason to have a citizen's militia, this, this is it, I would say. Todd Bensman, appreciate so much your reporting. Thank you for joining us. So just to restate, this is not organic. It's not an accident. It's not a, it's not a natural disaster. Our country is being invaded because our political class welcomed, invited, and then abetted the invasion. Democrats are power-drunk nihilists. The Republicans elected to hold them in check are unfortunately dishonest cowards. It does not need to be this way. Dominic Czarczynski is a member of the European Parliament. He's from Poland, and he is unapologetically working to protect his country from radical demographic change, which nobody welcomes in any country on planet Earth. We thought it'd be interesting to talk to him now, and we're grateful that he's joining us. Dominic, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. So I want to just frame this for people who haven't been following it with a conversation that you had with a kind of bewildered interviewer. I believe this is Channel 4 in Great Britain. Um, here's how it unfolded. How many refugees has Poland taken? Zero. And you're proud of that? If you are asking me, if you're, if you're asking me about Muslim, uh, Muslims' illegal immigration, none. Not even one will come to Poland. Not even one if it's illegal. We, we took over 2 million Ukrainians who are working, who are peaceful in Poland. We will not receive even one Muslim because this is what we promised. But I asked this not about illegal failed. immigrants. I asked about refugees. And Jean-Claude Juncker, the Commission President, says that you're racist. You sound proud of the fact that you haven't taken any refugees. Of course, because this is what our people are expecting from our government. That's number one. This is why our government was uh, elected. But this is why Poland is so safe. This is the, the, the reason why we had not even uh, one terrorist attack. Look at the streets in Poland. And we can be called populists, nationalists, racists. I don't care. I care about my family and about my country. <laughs> that is so unbelievable. That woman, I don't know what the word for repulsive in Polish is, but she qualifies. Anyway, so, <laughs> I just want to say I think it's the greatest exchange I've seen yes, in a long time. She was, she was surprised by the honest words. She was so surprised. <laughs> so tell us about your thinking on this question. You don't seem embarrassed at all. God bless you. Um, but why are you not embarrassed? Why are you not like everybody else in Europe? Because I'm proud. Because I love Poland, because I love my mother, my sister, my daughters, our daughters as a, as a families, because we care about them, because uh, we are not afraid to say no. Uh, most of the spineless politicians, leftist politicians in here, in European Parliament, in, in Brussels, they are afraid. They want to be the part of this leftist way of thinking flat, I would say. And, and, and Poland is completely different. I, I must say Poland is... 
I would say the last stronghold of normality, Christianity, family values in Europe. Obviously, Hungary are, are doing good as well, but by the size, we are the ones who are very much attacked at the moment. So we are not afraid. We believe in Poland. We uh, we are skyrocketing. When you see on uh, when you see the data from here, from Eurostat. Eurostat is an official body in European Parliament. In here, by the Eurostat, Poland is the safest country in Europe. And the question is why? Never changed since we took power. Since 2015, there is a very, very simple policy. Zero illegal migration, which means zero terrorist attacks. Poland is the only country in Europe without terror attack. We don't have stabbings. We don't have rapes in parks. We don't have all this rubbish in Poland. Why? Because we are very, very strict on migration. As a lawyer, I was listening to, you, to your conversation. As a lawyer, I'm doing my PhD on international law and, and human rights. I must confirm they are not refugees. They are illegal migrants committing, who are committing crime. They are criminals. They should be sent back, punished, and then sent back from whatever they, they came from. So people are afraid to say obvious facts, and we are not afraid. That's why we are so successful. Again, Eurostat, the lowest unemployment, the, the, the highest uh, GDP growth, we are just booming. Uh, as, and the most important, one of the lowest debts in Poland, public debts. But the most important thing is zero illegal migration equals zero terror attacks. The safest place in Europe, Poland. That is why I've got this um, motto in here, be like Poland. I don't know if you can see it. That's my <laughs> personal can. motto because I'm so proud. I'm so proud of Poland. Look at the data and then answer yourself. Do you want to be like Poland or you want to be like, unfortunately, um, some borders in, in Europe and um, in the United States? And I must say, I must say, President Trump was right about the wall. President Trump, you are an inspiration. Thank you for that. We built the wall and no one is able, no one is able to come to Poland. Wall is the part of our safety. So President Trump was right, but most of these leftists are too low to say yes he was right they would never admit it because they are wrong so that's very simple that's that's a common sense that's nothing unusual for us for polish to be brave to believe in our own nation to love our families to take care about the our our families and our country and then think about someone else that's so simple it, it it is so simple, but it, I, I asked you, why do you have this attitude that is unknown in, in the rest of the West? And you said, because I'm proud to be Polish. I, I have self-respect. I love my country. Yes. Is it no country in Europe, maybe in the world, suffered more than Poland did over the last 100 years from every direction, crushed, its population massacred? Why have the Poles emerged? Did they emerge from the 20th century with their self-respect intact, whereas Great Britain... Obviously, Germany, all of Western Europe, you know, they hated themselves by the end, but the Poles didn't. Why? Because we, uh, we suffered so much. You have to remember that Poland um, did not exist for 123 years. Yes. We were, uh, because of the partitions, 123 years, non-existence on the map. And our nation survived. Not only that, 
as you as you know, uh, we were attacked on 1st of September 1939 by Germany. Yeah. That's how the war started. Then 16 days later, on 17th, the same month, Russians attacked. And we were occupied after the war for 70 years by the Soviets. So we had to, once we freed our nation from the communism, we knew what the freedom is. We understood much better than others what it means to give up your freedom, to give up your land, to give up your culture. And now we are so homogenic society. We love it. We love our culture. We love our language. We love our food. We, we love our family values. We love everything what is about Poland because this is our land. No one is taking it from us anymore and no one will ever take anything from that. That's why we don't want any Wahhabists in Poland. They will not be led in. We don't want any jihadists. We don't want any Hamas supporters in, in, in Poland or Hamas members. We know they're going to try to move, along, move uh, throughout the world. So as I said previously, and I keep repeating for, the, for, for years, not even one will come to Poland ever. I'm going to join you in Warsaw for dinner at some point. I can't control myself. La Please last question. Oh, I'm, go I'm going food. to. I'm going to. So last question. What advice would you... So in the United States, I know you're familiar with our system, but we have the Democratic Party effectively in charge of sure, the government, but also mm -hmm. industry runs our economy, uh, unfortunately. And then we have this thing called the Republican Party, which is elected to push back and kind of keep them from going totally insane. They haven't done that because they're cowards. That's my view. What advice would you give Republican lawmakers now, a year out from an election, on this question of immigration? Be brave or you will not exist. Be yeah. brave. Believe in what you think. Believe in your values. Believe in family. Don't talk about it. Do it. As I said, President Trump built the wall. Poland built the wall. We are safe. It's, it's so simple. You have to believe in yourself and be strong. This is war. This is not a joke. This is war. Actually, what is happening at the border is a hybrid war. And, at the, and, and the war needs soldiers. So behave like a man, be a soldier, be responsible, and fight. Then you have a chance to win. Dominic Churchinsky, that was an inspiring conversation. And I'm, I'm just I'm grateful that you joined us today. Thank you so much. I will see you Thank again. you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.